and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. I believe that we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But where do we begin? Personally, financially, spiritually, relationally... And often because we don't know where to focus, we do nothing. At least that's the space I lived in for several years. I know what it feels like to constantly be spinning my wheels. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Daily Journal. After working through the Dream Life Action Planner, we need to do something every day so we actually take steps in the direction we desire. Throughout the years, I've developed success habits that have helped me to create a Dream 10 life in all areas by focusing on one area at a time. And I teach you exactly what to do each and every day in the Dream Life Daily Journal. You'll find a gratitude game every day to start the morning off right. A space for prayer, meditation, journaling. A space to write down your clear and intentional dream life goal with affirmations and visualizations connected to that goal. You'll then have a spot to write down your dream life action to-do list so you can be intentionally taking action towards your goal every single day. I know that by completing the Dream Life Daily Journal every day for at least 30 days, you can create momentum. And when you do that, my friends, you can live your dream life too. Check out the dreamlifetoolkit.com or Amazon to get your copy of the Dream Life Daily Journal today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. You guys, we're going to talk about something that I think we all need, but we might not know that we need it. In fact, I would love to market my programs in terms of this topic, but I find that, <laughs> that a lot of times people are like, oh, that's scary. See you later. <laughs> but in my program, 90 Day U-Turn, the two weeks we focus on forgiveness, it's the most powerful two weeks of the entire 12. I say that, I mean, I love every single week in my program, but I also see the most transformation when we finally release those things that we've been holding on to for others, you know, the, the baggage that we carry, and then also towards ourself. And our next guest is going to share her 40-year journey for releasing her own guilt and shame. After two abortions in her teenage years, she found that traditional counseling books, classes didn't make much of a difference. She went into a deep, dark place of unforgiveness, an emotional roller coaster that led her to unhealthy coping mechanisms and staying stuck for over three decades. Finally, after finding a unique modality she now calls SOAR, seeking our authentic route, she has been able to forgive herself and used her past to propel her to serve others, implementing a modality customized by adding a coach for accountability and transforming other people's life. She has then become certified ULA life coach and a certified aromatherapy practitioner. She uses her past and her journey to her own self-forgiveness to create a roadmap 
for those who desire the same. Thank you so much for being here. Big welcome to Lisa Drennan. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Well, I'm really excited to touch um, excited is an interesting word when you're talking about forgiveness, but I'm very uh, grateful to have you here because I do believe that this is a huge stumbling block for a lot of us. And we may be saying, I want to change. I want to build my business. I want to lose weight. I want to do all these things. And yet we keep snapping back to what we deem is normal. And, and we kind of, you know, our self-image doesn't match necessarily what we want. And the reason for that is because we cannot emotionally create when we're emotionally three steps behind. And forgiveness is the key for releasing a lot of that old emotional tethers to the past. And, and once we do, we can more easily create a future. So I'd love to hear a bit about your story. You know, why did you decide to create your SOAR program, you know, this is obviously deeply connected to you, but let's start at the beginning and share, I guess, how, what got you here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. In the beginning, <laughs> I grew up a very, um, I'm the youngest of uh, three older brothers. Um, so youngest girl, spoiled rot, and my mom wanted to grow really bad, doted on me and all that. And my brothers were you know, like very protective of me, but Unfortunately, my parents got divorced when I was like three years old and my mom went to work full time, left my oldest brother in charge in that realm between three to seven, three years old, seven years old. I was sexually molested by a family relative, didn't know it was wrong, told my mom when I was five and was called a liar, said that I was probably saw it on TV and or I made it up or something. But it just kind of lost the innocence of my childhood, was exposed to all kinds of, you know, my my oldest brother was nine years older than me. The second one was seven years older. And then I had a brother a year older. So we were kind of like two sets. So, you know, being a teenager at that time in the seventies, your mom's gone, you don't have a dad, you kind of go wild. Right. So I was exposed to a lot of different things that the people in the seventies did drinking and stuff like that. And didn't think anything of it. I mean, like I said, I didn't have a childhood. So as I grew older, I wanted, you know, I didn't feel loved. I felt abandonment. And I didn't trust anybody. I didn't really trust anyone in my family. My mom and I fought all the time. And when I was 15 years old, I decided that I wanted to have a boyfriend. So I set myself out to find a boyfriend, ended up with a narcissist gaslighter who totally controlled me, put a ring on my finger in, in the 10th grade and basically claimed me as his own as if I was a piece of property. And I thought that was wonderful. You know, what did I know? Somebody loves me. They're paying attention to me. They're giving me these beautiful gifts. He was three years older than me. So obviously, you know, I gave him my virginity, which I swore I would never do. I would, you know, be one of those big Italian girls that saved themselves for marriage. And then I got pregnant. And uh, when I told him, he's like, oh, no, you're getting an abortion. Let's go right now. And I was like, what? No, and no, yes, you are. So you can't tell your mom, you know, this is what's going to happen if you tell your mom. And then I remembered being five years old and telling my mom and, you know, I'm like, that's not going to work out good. So we did, you know, took some drugs, went and had the abortion. And six, now I don't even know how long it was. It may have been three, six months later, got pregnant again. And by this time I was so numb, I was doing drugs. I was into all kinds of um, hallucinations and drinking a lot. And I was just like, okay, whatever. And I realized that this person I'm with, like, isn't like good for me. But I was so numb and I just didn't care because it got me out of my house, which was very dysfunctional. My mom was always yelling and screaming. So I was like, which, which battle do you choose? 
So when I went through the second abortion, I hated him. I hated myself. And I just turned it inward. I was so depressed and I would have panic attacks. I would just keep smoking and drinking and overeating and just not a good way to live. And the third time I got pregnant, I decided before I got pregnant the third time, I was just like, I need to get away from this guy. How do I get away from him? And I just made a decision. It's like, you're done. I'm sick of this. I don't want to live like this. And I started thinking what my life would be like if I married this guy. Like I was getting ready to graduate from high school. We were supposed to get married and I was miserable. So I started envisioning my life and I was envisioning my mother's life. And I thought, I do not want that for my family. And all I could think of, I grew up Italian. So we were catering to our men all the time and we would cook these huge meals. And all I could think of was I would be cooking a meal and, you know, my, this guy wouldn't come home for dinner. My husband wouldn't come home for dinner. And then I'd be sitting there like my mom was all by herself raising these kids. And I was just like, I don't want that. So I broke up with them, but it was like a nightmare. He would not leave me alone. Of course, I went back with them, got pregnant again. And then I said, I am not doing this again. I already hate myself. I was in counseling. I could not get any relief from what I had did Did prior. you end up telling your counselor about that or did you keep it a secret from oh, everyone? No. Oh, I kept a secret from anyone. I swore I would never tell. I did not tell a soul. Yeah, he would threaten to tell people what I did. And I was just like, you know, we would get in, I would get in the fit. And then I would just smoke and I had bronchial asthma. So I could cough my, I get sick. It was just like this vicious cycle. So I finally got away from him. I had the baby. I obviously told my mom um, that, you know, I was pregnant and she helped me, but it was a nightmare living with her because she was very controlling. So I went through this, this thing of just getting out of the house and trying to get into counseling and, and learn how to be a mom at 18 years old and how to care for my child, work full time and deal with this mother who was, you know, controlling and I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out and uh, brainwashed me into thinking I couldn't move out because I would get raped. You know, I couldn't live it on my, make it on my own because, you know, I wasn't financially able to. They're just putting all these different roadblocks in front of me. your mom saying that? Yeah, this is my mom saying mm-hmm. this. So I was Not only did you have the, control, the brainwashing from the boyfriend, but you had the brainwashing from your mom. So you yeah. were really isolated with no one to, to trust at this point. Right. No one to trust. And my mom was, belittled, was you know, telling me that I was no good because I had this child out of wedlock and I needed to get married and, you know, God was going to punish me and, and all this stuff. And, you know, there was, there was like no forgiveness. And I just thought, okay, I'm not marrying him. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to live your life. And I, I did not like my mother at the time. And I did not want to follow in her footsteps. So it's just like, I don't care what you say. I am not going to live your life. I'm not going to repeat it. I'm going to do better. So I got connected with this counselor who was just like, well, what do you want to do? What's better for you? I go to be independent, to be financially independent and to be able to raise my child in a loving environment. I don't want him to have this dysfunction, this brokenness. So it took me about um, three. He was three years old. My son was three years old. And I met my husband now. We've been together for 32 years. And um he just kind of like was very strong, older than me. Um, and just says like, you know, you, you have to make these decisions. Like, what do you want to do? And he kind of put me on a path of like dreaming and knowing that like, if you do this plan and take these steps, you can do this. But we never talked about forgiveness. I didn't tell him until 2016 that I had two abortions and he had heard it at one point when I finally got rid of this guy, he did tell my mom and uh, my mom never told me she knew so there was a secret and my mom told everybody in the family, but nobody ever told me that they knew. <laughs> so it was crazy. And I got to the point where I came across this forgiveness booklet and I was just like, what is forgiveness? So I forgave him. 
I forgave my mom and I really learned what forgiveness meant, but I didn't realize I had to forgive myself. Like I don't deserve that. I deserve perpetual punishment. So the more I learned about forgiveness, I started digging. I'm a Christian. I got saved in 1979. So I questioned myself, how do you accept Jesus Christ as your savior and then go do this? Like you, where is the disconnect? And I thought, well, it's because I never really meant it. I never was saved and God doesn't love me. So I'm just going to be, you know, the universe is mad at me. Spirit's mad, whatever. I'm just going to be mad. I was mad at the world. So the world's mad at me type of thing. And I permeated that. Like my energy was really low. I was super angry. I was lashing out. I'd flip people off. I wore black. If you looked at me, I'd, you'd be like, why are you so mean? Why are you so angry? And I had very little friends because I didn't trust anybody. When I started this forgiveness path, I connected with a, a mentor. And um, we went into like this deep relationship of like three hours a week of just talking and working on, if you can have one thing in your heart, what would you want to have? And it was peace. Like, I want peace. So in the midst of that, I came across this Anne Bowles Camp's uh, 1,000 Gifts, Dare to Live Life Differently. And there was a challenge. I love challenges. Write down 10 things a day that you're thankful for until you get to 1,000. But not only do you have to write down 10 things, but why you're thankful. And I started doing it. And my heart started changing towards things and people. And in upstate New York, we get lots of snow. I'm not a snowbird. I was out walking my dogs, grumbling, grumbling and just nasty and hateful because I had to be all bundled up walking in the snow. And I look and it's still like 630, you know, dusk. The street lights are coming down and glistening in the snow, reflecting the snow. There's like diamonds. And it was so beautiful. And I thought, wow, that is such a beautiful picture. And I was like, whoa, I just, I'm thankful for the snow. Like what just happened to my heart? And that was like a huge pivot point for me. And I was like, wow, that's what peace is. Peace is seeing beauty in the ashes. So I started focusing on with my mentor, going back to visiting the abortions and what was the beauty in the ashes that came out of that? What was that? What, what good came out of that? I said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I could not focus on it. You know, and we went through the forgiving and the grieving process. And I realized that I needed to forgive. And I realized that I didn't trust God because I felt in my own eyes that God wasn't there to protect me, to help me live life differently. So I went through this trusting God process. And I was just like, okay, you're you're my creator. You knew I was going to do this. So why did I do it? And is it really wrong? And the first time I told my mentor, I felt like a relief. I just felt like, like, I always your told mentor, people the first I had this, person you had told. Yeah. Besides, was this before your husband even? Yeah. Before my husband even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I never even told the doctors. You know how you go to the doctors and you have to fill out those forms? I would lie. <laughs> I never read. Nope. I'm not admitting to this. I did not do this. This did not happen. That was somebody else. It was a bad dream. I was drugged up. I, you know, just stayed numb to it. So the first time I told her, I mean, I was just crying, crying, crying. And um, we had talked about it and I, she, she encouraged me to journal. So I started journaling and started focusing on the one word and what it really meant about peace. So I started for, looking at forgiveness, looking at the root word, looking at the definition and what does it mean to forgive? And I realized, you know, when you forgive, you don't have to forget. And I always was taught that. I was always taught that you hurt me, I'll forgive you and you could do it again. You can repeat it. And I did not want anybody controlling me that way again. So I wasn't forgiving. When I realized that it didn't mean that, that I, I, it released me from them having power over me, I was able to say, you know what? I forgive you for putting me in that situation, for controlling me. 
mom, I forgive you. Well, then I had to figure out how to establish healthy boundaries, especially with my mom. I mean, I got away from the narcissist gaslighter, but how do I establish healthy boundaries with my mom who's so controlling, who sees me as a kid? So I started working on that and doing a lot of I statements and, okay, what do I want? I matter. So in my journey, it was a healing process of realizing that not only did I have to forgive myself, but I had to realize that I really was somebody that mattered, that I was this beautiful person that had something to offer to people. So how do I do that? And it was just this process. And it just, you know, like one layer at a time that I had to go through. Forgiveness truly is an onion layer. I often say it's not a flip of the switch. It's it's an onion layer. It's all of a sudden, three years from now, you'll go, oh, I'm not triggered as much. Oh, the snow is beautiful. Oh, you know, we don't even quite realize it necessarily. We just notice that we don't feel, or maybe we notice we feel more peaceful or we don't notice, you know, we're not as angry or we don't have that emotional pit in our stomach often. So you first had to decide that, I mean, I hear you saying a lot of things. Number one, way back when you were dating um, your high school boyfriend, you had to make a decision. This is not the life I want to live. And I often Mm -hmm. find that our why is born out of a blessing or out of a burden. And your burden was, I'm not raising my family in this crazy kind of a house. (laughs) You're like, I am going to go to the other side and I am going to create peace and I am going to have a loving family, even if you didn't know what that looked like or how to create it yourself, you made a decision. And I think a lot of times uh, people don't ask themselves those questions. They just kind of fall Mm -hmm. into whatever's next. And they're not actually asking, what do I want my life to look like? I was thinking about this recently because I just watched the, it's actually an abortion documentary. It's all about abortion called Roe versus Wade. I think it's on Amazon right now. And I was thinking about, I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute, just the seventies in general and the the community pressures that were going on, the media pressures that were going on to create this verdict. But needless to say, I was thinking teaching children or teaching kids to make a good spouse decision (laughs) is probably one of the most important things they will ever learn. And it is never taught. Right. Asking, I mean, having a teenager say, what do I want my family to look like when I'm older? What would my ideal mate be like? What qualities would they have? And really take that seriously because it's a big stinking choice. And 10 years down the road, we, you know, nobody wants to get divorced and have kids at home and be a single mom and all these things that your mom experienced. So that's number one, guys, what life do you want to live? And then teach that to your kids, ask those questions to them. And then I hear you saying you started to seek things out. You didn't just ask yourself these questions. You started to go find mentors and counselors and help to help you learn how to cross, you know, walk through this bridge. You just knew you didn't want to be here anymore, (laughs) but you didn't quite know how to get to the other side. So you sought out, out mentors, you sought out coaches, you sought out people that would ask you those questions and then give you the space to answer. And then the third thing, I'm just like dissecting your story a little bit. The third thing is that it's it was way easier for you to forgive others than it was to forgive yourself. And so I'm going to ask you a little bit about that. The forgiveness to others. Was this something you did? Oh, and I, you said forgiveness and boundaries. Amen. Forgiveness doesn't mean we're best friends. 
Forgiveness means I let go of that emotional tether and I can choose how our relationship continues. Absolutely. Did you say anything to them? Did you write them a letter? Did you, was it just all like on you? What was the process for forgiving them? And then we'll go into how you forgave yourself. So let's start with with them. What'd you do? I, so with the ex-boyfriend, I did not speak to him at all. I just spoke it out loud. I just said his name. I said, I forgive you for hurting me the way you did. I mean, the way he hurt me and that's it. I forgive you. And it was just a complete relief. Did you um, write it down as well? No. Speaking it out loud was, why do you think speaking it out loud versus just in your head is important? The power of our words spoken just begins that healing process. Our, our subconscious can hear it and act upon it. And it, it's just, it was just like a boulder was lifted off my shoulders. Mm. And it, I just, it was so powerful that I didn't have to write it down for him. And I think probably because the relationship was short lived and I was numb for most of the time of it. And we were both young and stupid and yeah. both came from very dysfunctional families. So, yeah. So you were able to say we did the best that we could with our skills and capacity at that time. Yeah. You're exactly right. When I when I work with these exercises in my program, I have them write a letter and then we read the letter out loud because we've got to get it out of us, right? And when we mm-hmm. speak it, it vibrates throughout our entire body and impacts us on a cellular level. So speaking it out loud physically can change us and really allow us to release. And then okay, so what about your mom because with your ex-boyfriend you really could you didn't have a relationship with him anymore but your mom you did so how did you navigate that one that was really tough and it took a long time it took many many years um and she passed away in october of 18 and there was still a lot of you know (laughs) just across the boundaries all the time so with my mom i spoke it out loud and i relived everything she did because every single time i had a conversation with her saw her with you know with my son or whatever she was just still very controlling and wouldn't accept my boundaries, would dismiss me as this little kid. So I started journaling about it. I started looking at my counselor at the time had me do like a roadmap where I mapped out my mom's positive qualities and negative qualities and what, how we were, how we were alike. Cause she had thought maybe my mom was so angry with me because I was a lot like her and I was nothing like her. We looked exactly alike. And um, that used to bother me that people say, oh, you look just like your mom. Like everyone would be like, stop. I want to look like me because I didn't want to be like my mom. So to me, when you said I look like my mom, I was going to manifest, that was going to manifest my mom's life. And I did not want that dysfunction in my own life. So we started exploring why, why didn't I want that? And it was because of the sense of abandonment, the sense of this, you know, there's no trust. Like if I told my mom something, she'd tell everybody in the family, like where, why can't you, why can't I trust you just to be quiet about it? And it was always control. Like, you know, you're not doing this right. Like, they're never living up to the standards. So journaling really helped me. And one day, unfortunately, my mom reported me to child abuse like seven times. And after the seventh time, I was just like, they came into my work and, you know, I sat down and I was just like, this has got to stop. I'm exhausted. I am not abusing my child. They're my child. You know, I've been reported. This is the seventh time. They've done investigations. We get all kinds of free counseling because of it. (laughs) I was like trying to look for the good that came out of it. And I'm like, how do I stop it? So they're like, write a letter to your mom, but don't send the first letter. Write out the first letter, rip it up, 
write out the second letter, wait a day, read it. If you're comfortable, there's nothing negative, there's nothing bashing or that she can hold against you, then you can send it. But better yet, write it, read it, keep it, and then share it with her without giving it to her, if you could do that. And I thought, okay, and my mother always talked over me. So I did it. It took me about three weeks to do it because I had a lot of letters to write. I mean, I just kept writing, writing, writing. I I didn't even realize how much hurt was inside of me. And I was crying and and processing it all. And finally, I got to the third week and we had to go visit her for something. So I got there and I, I told her, I said, listen, I go, I know you love me and I know you mean well, and I forgive you for crossing my boundaries and, and, and controlling me, but I'm an adult now and you need to see me as an adult. I want to make the best decisions possible. You have to stop interfering. So this is what I need from you. Can you do it? And if you can do it, we can continue our relationship. If you can't, I, we're going to have to stop seeing each other. And that's it. You're not going to be able to see your son, your wow. grandson. That's powerful. It was powerful. And she did not take very well to it. She agreed to it verbally, but then she did not follow through. So the very first time she violated violated it, I said, mom, this is a boundary you're crossing. I asked you not to, you have to stop. And then she went off on me and we got into an argument. I said, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just, we're not going to see each other. I didn't see her for seven years. And um, it was hard because, you know, the kids were little, they were growing up and why aren't we seeing grandma? And she would send cards and stuff and I would send them back. I refused everything. I refused all contact with her. And then my stepdad came to my office with a, a basket for my kids for Christmas. He goes, can we just let this go? I go, no, you guys have to establish healthy boundaries. You can't, you can't cross me. You can't control me. He's like, well, let's go to dinner and talk. So we did and we talked and then she had been on her own healing journey and had learned how to maintain her boundaries. And then we ended up, you know, doing things together and totally different relationship. Wow. Wow. Um, well, and I wonder how much of you setting your own boundaries and kind of modeling what it looks like impacted her on her journey. Maybe it propelled her to seek out her own help. Yeah, possibly. I had learned as she, you know, towards the end of her life, of all the things that she had gone through that she never processed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, hurting her people all that hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've probably heard the saying hurt people. Yeah. Hurt people. <laughs> And, yeah, and, um, hurt people and there's, others. yeah, and there's always a reason for that anger, for that lashing out, that kind of thing. Um, but that doesn't yeah. mean you take it right. It just means they've got their own work to do as well. So you did exactly. that. I mean, both of those are hard, but tell me a bit about how you then focused on yourself and began to get over your grief and your shame. It was a daily healing journey. I just kept focusing on the one word and focusing on the gratitude journal. From there, I got into this class called the healing journey, which is a 29 week class. And it helps you like identify steps of beliefs. Like, what do you believe? I believed everything everybody told me. I was a big, I was a people pleaser big time because I figured if you knew who I was, you wouldn't like me. So let me cater to you. Let me do all these things. So really getting over that. In 2019, I was introduced to um, a company that got me into the aroma freedom. So I became a certified aroma freedom practitioner. The first time I did aroma freedom was like a five minute thing. I did it with the Hopalpana practice and it released this agony that I'd been dealing with all summer long. I was like, what just happened? Like, I have to do this. I have to find out more about this practice. 
Okay, hold on a second. I just read a book about the Hopopono practice um, just uh-huh. this year. So I'd never heard of it until just this year. And I'm guessing there's people out there that have never heard of it either. So can you briefly describe what that is and then why the aromatherapy helps to even deepen it? Yeah, so it's just a Hawaiian reconciliation practice where you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Uh, there's a book, Zero Limits, by Dr. Joe Vitelli, who interviews the Hawaiian doctor who implemented this practice. Um, so I took a training from them um, and learned how to do it, um, you know, just focusing on inner child work and really going into myself, using this practice and forgiving myself and understanding that there's this inner child in me that's hurting. When you add the aroma freedom, you focus on one particular situation and the scent just hits that olfactory system and it just really um, takes that emotional part of the brain and just really opens it up. And to me, it's a lot faster than just doing the breath work the meditation work. So I think that's why I had such a fast release. And because it was my very first experience with it, it was just like, wow. And I didn't understand why I was saying these four phrases until afterwards, the person who walked me through it explained it. And I was just like, I can do that. That's forgiveness. I can forgive all day long. So I started applying that forgiveness to myself. And I started with the little things. Like, you know, one of the things I turned to for an unhealthy coping mechanism was 0% credit cards. So I racked up all this debt. Um, kept that hidden for my husband and you know like its own separate financial issue <laughs> you oh I got hurt let's go spend some money it's no interest we don't have to worry about it yeah well those catch up with you so I was living reliving that pain and where did that come from so I'm sorry please forgive me thank you I love you and just sitting with my inner child and connecting and you're just saying powerful. that to yourself right you're just not, yeah yeah if I'm going through the aroma freedom practice, you can do it on yourself. You know, you just breathe in, you, you know, you think about the overwhelming situation. You think about the thought, the one word feeling that describes it, where in your body you feel it. And then you connect with your inner child and you walk through it. And then you just say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. You know, I'm sorry for what happened. Please forgive me. Thank you so much. I love you. You know, and that's it. It's so, so powerful. So from there, it was just like, I got I got more healing in that summer. That was the summer of um, last year, actually. June of 20 is when I began it. I got certified as a practitioner in September of 20. I got more healing in that short period than I did the, all the time I was in counseling. And then I got introduced to the ULA life and incorporated that framework, which is this, you know focusing on seven Fs, fitness, finance, family, field, which is your career, faith, friends, and fun, and seven blockers, which shame, guilt, self-sabotage are a few. And then accelerators, uh, grace, love, and things like that. So implementing that framework combined with the aroma freedom with the the one word focus and the gratitude was like, wow. For the first time in my life, I shared my story in um, July of 20. I, I went live in a workshop and shared my story of the abortions. And in August, I connected with an author coach and formatted my story and when he told me I was going to write a story I'm like I'm not telling I swear I would never tell I'm not telling you you want me to publish it in a book what are you crazy (laughs) he's like no you're gonna write a story there's a story in there because you can help so many women and I'm like women like me aren't going to want to be helped because we're too busy hiding behind our fear shame and guilt we're too busy focusing on unforgiveness he's like you need to share your story so with his help my book got published in February and it's been, it's, it's been a beautiful journey last year at this time. If you told me I was going to tell people that I had two abortions, I told you you're crazy. You're mm-hmm. insane, girl. 
How has your husband seen you change over these years? He's super supportive. He's a great guy. Um, when I told him in 2016, he told me, he goes, well, I knew. I said, what do you mean you knew? He goes, well, your mom had told me one that when I, my mom and I, when I stopped talking to my mom for the seven years, first thing she did was call my husband and tell her, tell him what I did. And he decided that if I wasn't going to tell him that he wasn't his place to bring that up to me, that I would tell him at my own time. And, uh, he, you know, he was very supportive. We talked about it. We named the babies. He's been super supportive this whole time. He's gone through all my mood swings. <laughs> He's seen you go from grouchy and, you know, like hardened a bit and not trusting people to now coaching others through the process of letting go and experiencing um, their own forgiveness. I have a feeling that ripple effect of even just your transformation impacted everybody around you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's been hundred percent supportive. He loves what I'm doing. Sometimes he's like, you know, do you think you need, like you're reaching out too much? You're like, I'm a very, um, I've been told I was intimidating, but now I'm very bold with my story. And if I see somebody going through something, I'd be like, oh, let me help you. He's like, I have the solution. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, let them come to you. Just back off. I know you're excited. He goes, just, you know, just remember how you were. And I'm like, okay, okay. So he's like kind of my uh, anchor type of thing. I love that. So you have a free gift for everybody at your website, lisadrennan.com. The link will be in the show notes below. And it's called Forgiving the Girl Inside, Finding Balance, Freedom, and Fun in Your Life. And it shares your forgiveness journey and gives a plan for how they can forgive themselves. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. The the book, the ebook, um, and it has all the steps in there to be on the roadmap, your customized roadmap. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people don't want to do the gratitude journal, you know, 10 things a day. You can do three things. You don't have to do the the 10. Um, you can do seven. Seven's my number. It's the number of wholeness and completeness. So, you know, I share that story in my book. Awesome. Awesome. And what is your signature program, SOAR? Tell us a little bit about that. The SOAR is Seeking Our Authentic Route to Our Highest Potential. It's a um, program I like to tell it. It's my divine download. In my stubborn self, I did not want to help other women um, on their journey to forgiveness because it was too hard and there's too many excuses. So I was sitting in a boot camp, um, healing journey boot camp, and um, I got this download about source seeking our authentic route to our highest potential where we build a foundation without a foundation we're going to crumble you know you need that cornerstone you need that reference point in order to build and if you don't have the foundation if you can't be on your healing journey and forgive yourself and connect with your inner child you're going to be stuck in this loop so it starts off with foundation and it builds on knowing who you are what's your authentic self what are your gifts what are your talents and going through the process of peeling back the layers, the brick wall is what I like. It's crumbling down the brick wall so that you can start this journey, know who you are, who you're to serve, what your gifts are. So we start with a customized, personalized blueprint. And we include scripture. We include um, affirmations. And it's just a building block. So it all starts with mindset. You know, are you living in abundance or scarcity? Where do you see yourself? Where is your dreams? What are your gifts and talents? Do you know who you are, who you want to serve, what you love to do? Or are you hiding behind, you know, what's the truth? Seek the truth, seek your destiny. Mindset is a destiny, it's a journey. 
And it's a roadmap. There's going to be road hazards, roadblocks on the way. But if you can have a mindset to know what that destination is and how you want to get there, you can overcome the roadblocks. And that's what I teach in the program. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, information for that is on your website as well. Awesome. So you guys check out lisadrennan.com. So I have two last questions for you. The first one is I'd love to hear you've named some programs that you've gone through and some books that you've read, but there, are there any other books or resources that you refer your clients or people to as being major turning points for you? 1,000 Gifts, Dear Live Life Differently was a major turning point. Dream Big by Big Bob Goff is just one that I recently came across that really helped me with my dreams and just manifesting what, what it is I really want to do and not letting others influence that. So I highly recommend those two books. The Healing Journey is a wonderful, wonderful um, 29-week course. Bit of a commitment for some people, but so worth it. You can do it independently or in a group class. Classes are starting up in September. They run for 29 weeks, but it's really, if you want to do a lot of inner child work, a lot of um, self-development, personal development growth, anyone who's in entrepreneurial world, ministry, whatever, wherever you are, it's such a beautiful process to really know the truth about you as a person and how you were created. Well, 29 weeks is nothing when you're thinking about years of having your life back, you know, because if you're feeling resentful and angry and bitter and spinning your wheels and, you know, that's no place to live. And if somebody out there is feeling like that and maybe have been feeling like that for several years, then these programs soar, the book and, and even the healing journey are tools that can help somebody with the forgiveness process so that they can regain their life. And I love your soar and to soar (laughs) and not feel like you're staying stuck. All right. So one last question, you are building your business. You're writing a book. You are um, creating content that impacts other people on the similar journey. And we know that as entrepreneurs, we need to keep ourselves full, right? We need to keep ourselves full. So what is a daily practice that you do or a habit that you have that you do every day that keeps you filled up so you can continue to pour out. I meditate on scripture. Regardless of what I'm doing, I wake up and I thank God for the breath of life. And I just pick a verse, study that verse, pray, and we'll read a devotion about it. And the other thing that's a, that's non-negotiable is my gratitude journal. Um, I celebrate my wins every single day. So at night before I go to bed, I grab my journal, I write out my wins. I do my my 10 things. I've not stopped doing my 10 things and I'm thankful for the reason why. And I don't care how tired I am, how late at night it is. Those that, those are things that will not, not give up. That's awesome. Think back to your 16-year-old self. Mm-hmm. Um, would you expected to be where you are today if you think back to who you used to be? Absolutely not. No, my 16-year-old self was trapped in a dysfunctional world with dysfunctional people and did not see a way out. And just thought that, you know, my mom used to tell me money goes where money is and it wasn't coming our way. You know, you grew up poor and you're going to be poor because that's what divorce does. And look at where you are now. Yep. It's pretty powerful. Um, The miracles God can do, can give us throughout the path when we start asking questions and seeking that help. Not only did you decide, all right, this isn't where I want to be. I'm not going to do this anymore. But you sought coaches, you sought mentors, you sought help. 
you sought out programs, you said yes to yourself. And because of that, you have continued to step more boldly into who God created you to be. And the ripple effect from that will be powerful. So thank you so much for sharing your story today with us, Lisa. You guys check out her book, Forgiving the Girl Inside on her website, lisadrennan.com. I'll put that in the show notes below along with her program called SOAR because, you know, if you're thinking this might be for me, I think this is for you. (laughs) This is a powerful (laughs) topic that can truly transform everybody's life. So thank you again, Lisa, for sharing your story today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.